And we are in a new theme, as Carolyn Hale was pointing out, called Grateful. Grateful. And uh, obviously, we want you to be full of greatness. Yes, there's that pun. Um, But there's also the reality that in order for us to be great, we've got to be grateful. Because the Bible says that we enter his gates, God's gates through thanksgiving and his courts through praise. So what we need is in the presence, but we can't get there without gratefulness. And so that's why we, we, we started this series. And, uh, and I found that I honestly, I, I took a lot of things uh, for granted up until 2020. I got really familiar with a lot of things. And I think that probably could have spoke for some of us here, maybe all of us in some way. Um, but I found that what becomes familiar usually becomes entitled and what becomes entitled ultimately kills God's best for us in our life. And entitled, you know, pretty simply is believing that we are owed something that we did not earn. Entitlement is believing we are owed something that we did not earn. Now, I'm thankful that there's one thing I didn't earn, nor could I earn, but I am entitled to, and that's the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. But I found that most other things, even promises of God, there is a part I must play in the promise and in the process. So I found that gratitude can either turn a heaven out of a hell, and maybe some of you are here today and you're walking through all kinds of hell, but there's still a way to be grateful. And I mean, if you've ever seen, um, you know, picture even when we have our Baja missions trips down in Mexico with some of the orphanages that, that we oversee, they're, they're not living in San Diego. They're not living uh, with oftentimes the kind of benefits that we have here in America, yet they are grateful when they are playing soccer. They are great. They're, they're smile. They have bigger smiles than some people who have three houses here in America. Why? Because you can make a heaven out of a hell, but if you're entitled, you can make a hell out of a heaven. And I know I've done that plenty of times in my life where I'm living in heaven and we've got a lot to be grateful here for because I can actually come to church and not have a death warrant for myself like other nations do. And so I, I am grateful for that. Uh, and I find myself, I can take myself for granted. So, uh, there were a few things outside of that that I found myself taking seriously for granted up until 2020. Uh, one of those is just going to a coffee shop or a restaurant. Like my wife and I, we, we love going out, trying new places, going to new restaurants, going to new coffee shops. And then, you know, the two, two weeks came and, uh, <laughs> and all we could do, and we're like, oh, this will be fun. Like, we'll just get to drive around. It'll be kind of a mix up. And then didn't know it'd be 20 months of that. But uh, so we, we would literally just drive around instead of like going to somewhere we would just drive around. And thankfully, one of the times we were driving around in Rancho Santa Fe, because we were dreaming, prophesying over land and, and property out there. Uh, and, uh, and so we kept seeing this sign called Invita Coffee. And, and I was like, oh, there's no way that place is open. And thankfully, there was one place that was open during COVID, and it was Invita Coffee Shop. Uh, and they actually attend our church. So shout out to them, uh, because I'm grateful that there was a coffee shop open. But... Just driving around wasn't that fun. It got, it got old after like three times because my wife didn't want to drive. So it was me driving all the time. And I would just drive and drive and drive. She'd be on her phone. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I didn't think I would ever for, like, be thankful for was in-person meetings. I mean, you know, Zoom sounds cool. And then, you know, after a few weeks of that, it gets old because, you know, I'm like, initially I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like I could, you know, do the, do the professional mullet, right? Like you got the, the suit on top and then you got the PJs on the bottom, right? That's a professional mullet in case you guys didn't get to try that. It might be too late for you now. Um, don't do that if you actually show up to work. Um, 
But I, I, and I'm a pretty extroverted person, so I like interacting, but I was excited for the Zoom thing, and then I got a hold of it, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, now I can, like, you know, high-five somebody in person in a meeting, not, like, do the raise hand on Zoom, you know, like, raise hand. Um, and you can't really, like, you know, tell someone off, you know, over Zoom. It's, it's much easier in person, and then you hug them after. It's, it's a whole thing. So I was grateful for, for in-person meetings. Another thing that I definitely took for granted was California. Some of you are probably like, yeah, and like I'm, I'm still taking California for granted. Uh, but y'all, I, I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah for four months. And, you know, early 2020, like during the whole, you know, two weeks thing, I, um, I, I was like starting to be like, oh, man, it would be cool one day. Like if Awaken opened up in another state, like I'd probably probably go out there, probably like kind of over California, kind of over these men, kind of over all this stuff. And then, you know, we got the opportunity, got lines it up for us to go help the campus out in Salt Lake City. And so we moved out there for uh, for a few months. And, you know, at first we got there, it was fall. It was beautiful. The colors, you know, it wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold. Um, there were pumpkin spice lattes galore. Like there were everything you could want. It was like dream. And then, uh, and then we, you know, were there about three weeks and then this white stuff started falling from the sky (laughs) and the temperature started dropping. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I almost died the first time snow fell. I don't know how to drive in the snow from California. And I literally, and it wasn't even that much snow, but I literally didn't know how to stop. And I went through a red light, like day one of snow. I said, babe, getting back to California. And it wasn't just the weather. It was the reality that what we have built here, what Pastor Jurgen Land have carved out here spiritually and in the physical is a safe haven. Compared, like even in Salt Lake, it's a red state. People are like, oh, it's more open. It's more, it wasn't. It felt more constricted than San Diego where things were maybe a bit more contentious. But it's because we decided that we were gonna make what looked like a hell of heaven. And that's from Pastor Jurgen Land. So I'm thankful, thankful for them for seeing that. So I'm grateful for California. I'm grateful for it. You can take my word for it, or you can leave and come back, but I recommend the former. So you don't die going through a red light because you don't know how to stop. The other thing, and this thing really, like, if there was anything I was really upset about, it was this. Movie theaters. Like, movies in theaters. Movies in theaters. And let me hint you on a little secret. It's back now because movies are back. Uh, AMC $5 Tuesdays. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, Some, a couple of people. Yeah, come on, Claire, appreciate it. I said this last service, there was one guy, I was like, you, I've probably seen you at $5 AMC Tuesdays. <laughs> you wanna know why? So when my wife and I got married, we didn't have a, like we were, we were growing financially. And so uh, there were, I wanted to take my wife on multiple dates a week. And so, you know, we would do our normal date and we had a you know, solid budget for that. But then I was like, man, a second date, where am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna do for that? And then. You know, I got served an ad probably, and it was like $5 MC Tuesday. I said, this is too good to be true. But I checked it out anyway, and it turned out to be more like $6 Tuesdays because of taxes and fees, but it was $12 for the two of us to go to a movie. Not like blackout movies, like you only get to go to like these two. No, any movie, $5 at an AMC. And so I was, I was astounded. And so uh, that was a big part of our, you know, our relationship as we started, and then when they shut it down, um, that was terrible. And then, you know, what's even worse is you've got like Amazon, you got all these other streaming services like, you know what, we're gonna bring the movie theater to you. No, stop, I do not, I do not. Unless I've got a movie theater in my house. Like doctor, I, I, want, I wanna watch it in the movie theater. In the movie theater. 
And, uh, you know, because then I can bring my own candy in, you know, and I don't have my wife who's like my dog yapping. And then I got my wife who's, uh, you know, on her phone. Cause I, at home you can just be on your phone. Nobody's gonna yell at you. But if you put your phone in a movie theater, peer pressure. So I want the movie theater experience. And one of the movies that I'm really glad got delayed. I was mad at the time, but I'm thankful now was the new James Bond movie. Anybody, I got any James Bond fans out? Okay. Just a few. Okay. I was, uh, the 9 a.m. definitely had more James Bond fans. Um, like I said, I've been at other campuses. They almost, almost nobody. And I was like, this is why I attend the campus of action. Because uh, people like action here. So, uh, but it got delayed. And so I'm thankful because I wouldn't have watched it. And now I get to watch it in movie theater. It was amazing. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And um, I can't promise, but I might have, might have teared up uh, near the end. It was a great, great movie. It's true. But James Bond. The man with a license to kill. You know who else has a license to kill? John 10.10 10 says, The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to give you life and have it more abundantly. See, the devil's, devil has a license to kill, but Christians, and announce the title, which is probably already up there, to your friend, License to Live. We have a license to live, a license to live. To live an abundant life and to help point people to life who has a name, and that name is Jesus. So I found that just because we have a license doesn't mean that we use it. Imagine if James Bond had his license to kill but never used it in any of the movies. I probably wouldn't have watched all of them that I have or rewatched them. But, and his mission definitely would have never been fulfilled. Like the world would have ended, you know, 75 times or whatever. Yet many Christians today aren't experiencing life abundantly and they're not pointing to life because we're not using our license to live. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. In other words, your light shining, you as a Christian are meant to influence like Pastor Rachel was saying, not be influenced. So we are meant to be light and we are meant to use our license to live. So I put together a few ground rules uh, for using your license to live. And those are going to be the points of this message, because how many know when you get a license, there's a couple guidelines, a couple rules you got to follow. Um, in case you were curious, when I took uh, my driving license exam at 16, I got hundred percent, just in case anybody was wondering. My wife liked to point out to me yesterday when I was parallel parking, um, that just because I got hundred percent doesn't mean I could still get hundred percent and, uh, <laughs> didn't like that. But the first point the first guideline, the first ground rule to using your license to live is knowing where your license comes from, which is Jesus. Your license to live comes from Jesus. Our license doesn't come from our own abilities or circumstances, but from the person of Jesus. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel or Z-man, if you don't want to say that, because that's hard. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In other words, it's not what you can do, what I can do, what the world can do. It's what Jesus can do. Yes. You see, imagine if James Bond went around being James Bond, but he didn't have a license to kill. That would be third degree murder and the <laughs> movies would have been over very fast and the world would have ended 75 times. And so he had a license from MI6, yet so much of the world thinks that we're entitled to life without actually having a license to live from the one and the only one who can give it. John 14, six says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other life but life in Jesus. Dennis Prager said this, and we were talking about him earlier. Um, I love Dennis Prager. He's also Jewish. I grew up Catholic and Jewish. And um, he's much more knowledgeable in Hebrew than I am, but I feel like I caught a couple things that he said. Um, and I say that every time so that anytime I say anything after that, you immediately trust me because you're like, oh, he grew up Jewish. He probably knows Hebrew. He knows the Bible better. 
It's my little secret. Now you all know. It's all ruined. Uh, So he said this. He said, secularism, which is anything that excludes God, has no real solutions because it acknowledges no God. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So if you don't fear a God, if you have no God to fear, you have no wisdom to give. If you have no God, there's no real solutions to real problems that real people face. I spent my whole life trying to find life in other things. I tried to find life in the approval of others because my dad passed away when I was nine years old, so I faced all kinds of you know, inner torment and rejection, all these things, and so I didn't know where to look. I grew up Catholic and Jewish. In the synagogue, it was like, if you want life, you've got to follow these rules. Didn't find life there. When I went to Catholic Mass, I passed out 10 minutes in, so I have no idea what they even said you find life in. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, I'm sure you could find, but I didn't. So these are the things I try to find life, and I try to find life in the approval of others and friends and coaches and teachers and other people's parents. But I found that when we find ourselves in a lot of pain, when we try and exalt people to places that only God should be in. Try to find life in parties and using drugs and sleeping around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff because that's what the culture said. Culture said, if you go do these things, you'll find life. And yet I found myself in more pain and more dysfunction. I tried to find life in the accumulation of things and money, success, title, accolades, cars, whatever it was. And because that's what Instagram said. And so I went and tried to do all those things. And then guess what? Found myself in debt, despair, and in more pain than I ever possibly thought. Then I tried to find life in personal development, self-improvement. I thought if I could just level myself up, then one day I'll level myself up to a place where I'm actually happy with myself. I'll actually experience life. I'll experience purpose. I'll experience joy. Now, while, to, or, while personal development is great when filtered through the Bible, it on itself, you either get weird or you get Jesus. I'm just going to say that. You either get weird or you get Jesus. I thought if I just walked on the hot coals one more time, I would find life. And yet I didn't. And I did that. And I didn't get burned. It actually was kind of a crazy thing. But um, that's not the point. The point is, You cannot find life in anything but in Jesus. There is nothing that you can find life in, purpose, joy, fulfillment, salvation, except in Jesus. The second ground rule to using your license well is your license is for others. Your license is for others. You see, James Bond, imagine if he didn't use his license. Like I said, the world would have ended about 75 times. Why it was always a world-ending situation, I still don't know. Like, why couldn't it have just been like a minor, you know, minor issue or maybe a regional issue or maybe even like a national issue? But no, it was always an international disaster impending unless James by himself makes it happen. And yet, every single flipping time, he did. It's a miracle. It's amazing. And Daniel Craig is the best James Bond, in my opinion. I'm just going to say that on record. And I know none of you have the mic, so that's fine. I'm just going to say that and leave it there. We can talk after, maybe, if you can beat me down here. Okay. But if we don't, so if James doesn't use his license, the world ends 75 times. If you and I don't use our license to live, people's eternities are on the line. One of the ways I found that light from Matthew 5:16 shines brighter is when you and I win. When you and I win, when you and I have a life that is something that people want to follow, we should have fruit that people want to eat off of. It's how I got saved. I, like I said, I grew up around a lot of Christians that were talking a big talk, but never walked it. They lived the same dysfunctional lifestyle that I did. So they were completely out of integrity with the Bible. And I get it. You make mistakes, whatever you're young, but when you're talking a big game and you're not walking it, it makes me question 
your integrity. It makes me even question what you believe in because you're saying you believe this, but you're not living it. And so I had a tough time with that. I also didn't know a single Christian at that time as I was growing up that had anything that I wanted in their life. It was always they had need and it was always they were looking for handouts. The ones that I knew. I'm not saying this was everybody that was around me, but this is the people that I knew. And so I never looked as someone who couldn't find life anywhere else. I didn't look to those people for answers. Because the world is not just looking for salvation because they don't know they need it. The world is looking for answers in this world, which the Bible says we can bring heaven to earth. And when we have heaven in our lives, people want that. If our life looks like hell, people don't want that. And so I found I was surrounding myself and trying to emulate a lot of fathers and a lot of other people who had the success that I wanted, but were nowhere in you know, vicinity to Christianity. But it still attracted me until time and time again, I found out there was no life there. There was no life there. There was no life there. But they were generous, but they were loving, but they were present with me. And so I cared about that, but they didn't have the, they couldn't fill the void. And so how I got saved was there was a guy who was crushing it in business, who was a mentor of mine, who was someone I looked up to. He was a bit older than me, but had a family and lived what he talked about when he talked about Christianity and talked about Jesus. And so as we would all go to the clubs and do all kinds of crazy stuff, he was making good money and able to be generous towards us. And then at the same time, he was going home with his family and actually being present with them, loving them. And his family actually liked him. And so for me, I realized, wow, this guy's got something. And so when he went to Emerge in 2015, got his socks knocked off, said, I'm going to invite all the crazy people I know. And I was on that list. And so I walked in. I only accepted the invitation, not because I thought anything of Awakened Church. I didn't care. I didn't know. I literally thought this was going to look like Catholic Mass because that's the only context I had. So I dressed up in Catholic Mass clothes to a 5 p.m. service, which was like a Wednesday night service. Stuck out like a sore thumb. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. So, but when I walked in, I was like, whoa, it's like a club. That's why we do that because we want people to, the world to see that, hey, we can be full of life too and actually have real life. Um, But I came because of him. I came because of his light. I came because of his life and I got saved And then my life has never been the same because I found that most of the people who have a problem with our church's view on prosperity and how we talk about money often simply have not stopped to ask about what our interpretation of prosperity is. Definition of terms is really important for a lot of things, but this specifically in our view, prosperity is having more than enough for yourself. So it's less of a prosperity gospel in the sense of how you're defining it. And it's more of a generosity gospel and how you would define it generosity can unlock things that nothing else can. So when God can get it through, you can get it to you. What takes us out of serving God, I found, is when we either allow poverty or materialism to manifest in our life because neither are God's will for us. Dr. Matt talks about it's the spirit of mammon. It's got two sides of the coin. And this is it. If your needs aren't being met, it's hard to meet the needs of other people, which is what Jesus calls us to do. Pastor Mike and I were talking before the service, and he said, yeah, remember how expensive it was when someone was teaching on it to be the good Samaritan. It was like 100 grand plus or something like that to put somebody in a hospital for a few nights, take care of them, leave extra money. Like, you know, that convicted me. I'm like, man, I've got I've to win bigger. I've got to do more so that I can be that person, so I can be generous and witness to people in that way. So, and I found that obviously on the other side, if you're focused only on accumulating things in this life and you're fixated on what you can see versus what you can't, you ended up in a really bad place because you're just as, you know, 
that off as the person who's in poverty because you're not fixated on the focus which God has put you here for. But once again, having things and having a life that people want to look to is the attraction that most people get. Because when we're grateful, when you have more than enough to meet your needs, you can be more present. When you're more present, you can be there for the service of other people. And when you're there for the service of other people, you can actually fulfill the commandment to love your neighbor and to witness to them. Because I remember times when I haven't had a lot and all I can think about is the next check. All I can think about is myself. All I can think about when I go in the grocery store is, do I have enough of this? Do I have enough of that? When I'm you know, in business, I'm not thinking about how can I witness to them or how can I share the love of God with them? I'm thinking, how can I win them as a client? So we want to be in a place where we have more than enough and it's a mindset first that God will take care of us if we are obedient to him, return the tithe, and are generous to other people. So, your license is for other people. Lastly, point number three, and the keys can come up, is our license is limited by what we focus on. So we cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. Philippians 3, verse 10 to 14 says this. It's Paul talking to the Philippian church. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Same. I want to suffer with him. Not necessarily same, but it is biblical because there is pain in this life. And some of you have been doubting whether you're actually in a relationship with God because you're experiencing pain and you have some theology that says you don't experience pain when you're with God. That's not true. There is pain, but the beautiful thing is God will meet you in it. He will heal you from it, and he will move you past it. Sharing in his death, verse 11, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Kind of sounds like you're saying that, Paul. Or that I've already reached perfection. Kind of does. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, Paul. You're really sounding like you're saying it. But I focus on this, someone say one thing. Forgetting the past. One thing. Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. See, if we're so focused on the rearview mirror, we're going to end up crashing more times than not. Our faith is a dashboard. What the devil wants more than anything else is for us believers to get stuck in our pain, stuck in our past, stuck in what that person did, what they didn't do, stuck in what God, we thought God was gonna do versus what he didn't do, stuck in what we did and what other people did to us and live ineffectively and purposelessly for the kingdom. And ultimately, he wants us to withdraw our praise from God. And we see that in a micro picture in the book of Job where Job has all of these things. Job is a worshiper of God. He is very wealthy. He has a great family that loves him. And the devil comes and says, hey, if I take his stuff, if I hurt him, if I put boils on him, if I do all these things to him, if I make his employer have a vaccine mandate, if I, if I, if I put this diagnosis over their family member, if I, then, then they'll stop praising you. Job said, after everything was stripped from him, he said, should I only accept good from God and not bad? He said, yea, though he slay me, I will praise him. You see, what the devil didn't count on was the fact that even when you and I go through struggle, even when, though when you and I are hurt, even though when you and I are in pain, we still praise God because nothing, nothing is more significant than what happens when we get to heaven and get either you wicked and lazy servant 
or well done, good and faithful servant. And sometimes it's easy to fix our eyes on that which is seen because that which is seen is temporary and passing away. But the Bible says we should fix our eyes on that which is unseen because that which is unseen is eternal and doesn't pass away. So I don't want to get to heaven and realize I got stuck in pain. I got stuck in offense. I got stuck in being overlooked. I got stuck in what happened to me and the cards that were dealt to me. And so I, 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 I withdrew from my praise from God. I withdrew from, from giving to God. I withdrew from serving. I withdrew from being on purpose for God. I withdrew from sharing the gospel with people because I got hurt or because this happened. No, no, no. I want to get to heaven and realize all the plans God had for me, I stuck with despite the pain. Because while nobody is perfect, Jesus is. And he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our obedience. Because he's a king. And as sons of kings, as daughters of kings, the best thing we can do is obey. Because there's life on the other side of that, as Pastor Matt said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to us. And I think there's a brilliant two-minute clip from James Bond that's going to help us see how to move past pain and stay on mission. And this, just to give context, and then the video will play, is this was right after James was shot by his own team because his leader said, it's worth the mission in case we lose him. Take the shot anyway. His teammate had a bad shot, shot him, didn't shoot the bad guy. And then he almost dies, finds himself at a beach, drinking himself away, purposeless, bitter, angry. And then the TV comes on and he hears how his nation is under attack. And so this is what happens right after that. Let's play the clip. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. 007 reporting for duty. Why didn't you call? You didn't get the postcard? You should try it sometime. Get away from it all. It really lends perspective. Ran out of drink where you were, did they? What was it you said? Take the bloody shot. I made a judgment call. You should have trusted me to finish the job. It was the possibility of losing you or the certainty of losing all those other agents. I made the only decision I could, and you know it. I think you lost your nerve. What do you expect, a bloody apology? You know the rules of the game. You've been playing it long enough. We both have. Maybe too long. Speak for yourself. Ronson didn't make it, did he? No. So this is it. We both played out. If you believe that, why did you come back? Good question. Because we're under attack. And you know we need you. You'd have to be debriefed and declared fit for active service. Yeah, bring it up. It's fine. James had every reason to stay away. He had every reason to stay on the bench. He had every reason to stay away. He had every reason to be angry. I mean, he got shot by his own team. (laughs) 
And then not to mention that, his own friend who he tried to save, they told him, move on. You got you to gotta keep going on that same mission. We'll get to him. They didn't get to him. He died. He had every reason to be upset. He had every reason to be offended, every reason to be angry, and you might too. I had every reason growing up without a dad to feel like, well, you know, I just got dealt unfair hand, and so I guess that's just going to be my life. But instead of being a victim to it, instead of being in pain about it, I said, I'm going to use this once I got saved to point people to Jesus. Because if I can be this confident, if I can live this healthily, if I can have this kind of life without an earthly father, because my trust is not in what I can see, but in a father who is greater and a father who meets all my needs, then I can point other people who have that pain to a God who is able to deal with it. I could have stayed stuck in my shame about blowing the $100,000 on stupid stuff that I had as inheritance, and I could have never shared that and kept that to myself and just lived in that pain and that shame. But I knew that if I could share with other people and help them realize you can actually move on from the things that you've done that are stupid. You can actually move into greater things than the things that have been done to you and share that with other people and get them out of shame because shame keeps people stuck. Then it's worth it. And so I've done that. And I've seen that happen for people. You see, when we can move out of our pain, out of our comfort, because the calling of God, the cross of Jesus Christ is more important than our comfort. And so I love how James did that. And I want to give us an opportunity here right now to do that as well. If we could stand to your feet, I just want to pray for everybody as we come to a close. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. And in that, before we do that, I want you to think of who you need to let go. Jesus had every right to not go to the cross. Nobody would have blamed him. I mean, we would have been kind of upset now, but uh, at the time, nobody would have blamed him. He could have walked away at any point. Someone in his connect group literally handed him over to be crucified. That would suck. For, tick, for 10 Chick-fil-A sandwiches, like not even for that much. Like it was literally 30 pieces of silver. It's not, not a big thing. His most trusted leader literally told people he didn't know who Jesus was in one of his greatest times of need. Soldiers who crucified him were then gambling for his clothes at the cross. You know what Jesus did? He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. You see, his eyes weren't fixed on what he saw. His eyes were fixed on an eternity. He didn't even write a bad Yelp review about the place. And yet some of us have one bad thing happen. We come to one service. We come to one thing. We come, we have to one connector. We have this one bad, and then we just toss it all out with the bathwater. Today, you're going to be set free. Because we would fix our eyes on God's purpose for us. It empowers us to move past our hurts, past what people have done to us, past what we've done to ourselves, and into life to use your license to live. C.S. Lewis says forgiveness does not mean excusing. So right now what we're about to do, we're not excusing what people have done to you. We're not excusing any of that stuff, but we are releasing you from some pain, from some bitterness, from, I even believe, diagnoses that have been given to you because you've been stuck in unforgiveness. There's plenty of science that says if you stay in unforgiveness, it actually damages your body. So right now, I want you to close your eyes. And for those of you that are here today and you're saying, I need to release somebody today. I need to forgive somebody today. I want you to just lift your hand in response to God. It might be yourself. It might be a father. It might be a mother. It might be an employer who's imposed something that you are going to be hurt by. It might be God. God's okay. God can, God can accept your forgiveness because he doesn't need it. He didn't do anything wrong. But in his mind, you can release that. And some of you need to release yourselves. Some of you need to forgive our governor. 
you're laughing, but if you are embittered, losing sleep, anxious, angry, losing your temper at your kids because of something that someone else did. It doesn't matter if he's the governor. It doesn't matter if he's your employer. It doesn't matter if he's your mom. If he, It does not matter. It just matters that you get healed today. We're not excusing behavior, and we're not going to stop battling and fighting in the spirit and in the physical, but it is time for you to be released today from this pain, from this bitterness in Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to go into one song, and I just I just want you to lift your hands. I want you to praise. I want you to worship like that thing is off your back. Father, I thank you right now that every ounce of unforgiveness, that everything that someone's done to us, everything that we've done to ourselves, anything that's ever happened, Father, we forgive them now. I want you to say this. I forgive blank. Just forgive them right now. Just release them verbally right now. Forgive them. Forgive them. Let them go. Let them go. Father, we declare all ounce of anger, of bitterness, completely removed from their lives. We command any diagnosis that have been given that are related to unforgiveness to be bound, broken, and removed in Jesus' name. We praise you in advance for positive diagnosis, for, for reverse diagnosis, Father, for healing in people's bodies, for sound sleep for the first time in months and years. Father, we thank you for release right now in Jesus' name. We declare we forgive them. We forgive everyone of everything because you forgave us, Jesus. If you forgave us, we can forgive others in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.